gentlemen. Thank you, Bruce. Bruce is saying you're not being loud enough. I'm so grateful to see everybody here involved in deep and uh, energetic conversation. Um, we're going to have a couple announcements at the end, so if I forget, uh, this is me reminding you to remind me. We'll have some announcements at the end. There was one sign-up sheet. By the way, I'm Eric Stevens. We have several guests here today. If you don't have a name tag, if you would write your name tag on, I, I realize you probably know who you are, but it will certainly help me get to know you a little bit better, and name tags at 7 o'clock in the morning are a good thing for me. Um, so I was uh, supposed to make an announcement for um, Jacob Crane. Jacob is responsible for uh, the church's hospitality. Now, I would do a lousy job of telling you all that that includes, but you're enjoying some of what it includes right now. If you have something that you've eaten or drunk this morning, that we have uh, you know, Steve and Leo to thank for it, but they work for Jacob. And uh, he asked me to make an announcement because they're looking for race car drivers. No, that's not quite the way he explained it. He said they were looking for golf cart drivers. And I said, would you like to have golf cart races this morning as a way to audition people? And he said he didn't think there would be time to arrange that. So um, I will probably ask that on, on, on your table, you should have a pen and a little tablet of paper. That's there for a couple of reasons. Sometimes the speaker wants you to write something down or engage or whatever. It's always good for a prayer concern or a praise that you want to share with the group. I do pick those up at the end, or you can talk about them at the table. In this case, I'd like to use it as an impromptu volunteering opportunity. If you would like to vo does anybody here drive one of the golf carts on a regular basis? Mitchell does. Excellent. So we already have some people who can coach you in what's involved in doing that. It's It can be a fun time because you get to meet people in the parking lot that you're not going to get to meet any other way. You're not supposed to race. I've been told that by two or three people. So if you would be willing to help Jacob with some of the golf cart driving, if you would write your name down, or if you can think of somebody that you think we should call and ask them, you, you can write their contact information down. Can I add to that just a little bit? Hold on, Jeff's going to add to that. Um, while we're talking about drivers, I've just started a fun little adventure with Vickery Rose. Uh, one of the, it's the new adult living resort. You can, that's a cool title uh, on Crossville. And as I'm getting into that, uh, they would like. There's some folks there that would like to come to church. Uh, but uh, we're also looking for uh, bus drivers on Sunday morning. I'm discovering that that's a thing, that we have people at a variety of places that would like to come to church, older folks, uh, but we, we don't have enough folks in the rotation to be able to pick them up. So if you could put golf cart, your name and golf cart, or your name and bus, uh, then I'll take those names and work with them. But we're trying to... Uh, get some folks to church, but need uh, help drivers. Thank you. Now, I just want to point that you do need to have a valid driver's license for one of those opportunities. But if you have a 15-year-old a grandson or something in your life, and they would love an opportunity to practice their driving skills, the golf cart is the better opportunity for that than, than the bus. So um, this morning, I, I'm really grateful. We never know in the middle of the summer if we're going to have good turnout, and this is great turnout. Um, there's a guy, uh, he's, he's new, he's never been to our church before, he's brand new to RUMC, no, not really. Um, I remember being introduced to Kramer by my daughter, and I was like, Kramer? When I think of the word Kramer, this tells you what generation I'm in, it's somebody from Seinfeld, right? And he runs into the room and he's all disheveled and whatnot, it's a very physically funny kind of guy and so when she said I met this guy Kramer at probably at the Dodd I was that's who popped into my mind it took me probably two or three mistakes to realize it was Mark Kramer and for a whole generation of kids he went by Kramer and they probably think of Kramer here instead of Kramer from Seinfeld and it's remarkable to me what it takes to form that kind of icon in your mind a name that goes with a certain set of attributes and we see people on TV and we you know we we see them so much we think we know them and then you meet somebody like that in real life 
<laughs> it turns out that was a character they were playing on TV. They're not that person at all. Well, Mark Kramer is the same character in person as he is on TV. And, um, or, or so I've been told to believe. Um, so he says he doesn't like long introductions, so I've already blown that. Um, he has been seven years leading a teenage Bible study and four years leading a young adult. My daughter was, I think, in both of those. So I guess she's now technically a young adult. That makes me an old adult, doesn't it? <laughs> um, he has um, uh, he's been five years as a Stephen minister, and I think we'll hear more about that in a few minutes. And his uh, wife, named Ellen, they've been married almost 41 years. He's optimistic. He says almost 41, as opposed to 40 already. <laughs> um, this is, Cammie will let me know what that sounded like later. And they have three daughters and three grandkids. And originally he was on the schedule to talk to us in June, but he had an appointment with a new grandchild. And he thought maybe he should not choose men's breakfast, new grandbaby. I thought that's wisdom. <laughs> that's never choose between. Yeah, anyway, grandbaby always wins. Um, I, a quick update on uh, Justin, who spoke for, with us last, uh, last June. Um, he, I was wrong in my email. He hasn't been ordained. That's something you do later. He's been installed, and he's now Reverend Combs. So he was Mr. Combs when he was here with us uh, in June. Now he's Reverend Combs, and uh, I spoke to him earlier this week. And his energy was still infectious for me. He was so engaged in his new congregation. And, um, you know, it was just fun to catch up with him after a month. He'd been to annual conference. And so did anybody here who went to annual conference, Jeff, Ernie? Yeah, yeah. We saw Justin. You, did you? Yeah. Excellent. So if you want to learn about more about what went on at annual conference and who got voted in, who's going to be our, one of our delegates, these guys were actually there, and they might remember what happened. So with uh, no more introduction, was that long enough? You said I should take at least 15 minutes because you didn't have much to say this morning. Um, can, we, can, can we give a welcome to Mark Kramer? Okay, thank you very much, Eric. <clears throat> um, so I do get to give you an introduction to Stephen Ministry this morning. Um, and I want to start by saying I think that this introduction to Stephen Ministry um, will strike home with everyone here because I think that there will be one, two, three, or more of you who might be called to become Stephen Ministers. If you're not in that uh, category you will have a friend who could use the care of a Stephen minister, and you might suggest this ministry to them, or you yourself might be in a position to need the care of a Stephen minister. So I feel like um, you really have no reason to tune me out from this point on, because, <laughs> because I think this will speak to each one of you um, in some way. And I'm not going to read much, but I am going to read a little because I want to get this one right. Stephen Ministry is one-on-one, -on -one, confidential, Christ-centered care to people who are hurting or to people who have suffered some kind of loss. That loss could be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of self-esteem, the loss of hope. People who have suffered some kind of loss are perfect candidates to receive the care of a Stephen minister. Um, I would also say, especially to a group of men, a Stephen minister can offer care to someone who needs care and that someone doesn't want to go to family or loved ones or has gone to family and loved ones and feels like I really just shouldn't dump on family and loved ones anymore. So a Stephen minister who does what a Stephen minister is supposed to do is there for the person who needs to talk and talk and talk, and that person will not wear out their welcome with a Stephen minister. I want to give you the scriptural basis for Stephen ministry, and I absolutely love this. This is, um, this is from Acts chapter 6, 
And it's when the first century church was growing by leaps and bounds. So we pick up with Acts 6, and I'm going to read the first seven verses. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. See, some of y'all thought I would stumble over the pronunciation of those two words, didn't you? (laughs) Fooled you. (laughs) The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. A simple need that was being overlooked. Widows were overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12, that's the original 11 plus the new guy they added. I believe his name is Matthias. Is that right, Fletch? Okay. Um, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on table. Those twelve got it. It is important to wait on table. It is important to take care of widows in the daily distribution of food. But the twelve realized that their calling was prayer and the ministry of the word. And if you're going to devote yourself fully to prayer and ministry of the word, sooner or later you're going to get spread way too thin if you're trying to take care of distributing food to widows and waiting on tables. So, they say, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the Word. So, I mean, this is the scriptural foundation of Stephen ministry. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose, and they chose seven, and I'm going to name all of them. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Perminus, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Listen what happens once the twelve appoint these seven to wait on tables and take care of distributing food to the widows, which in 2019 translates to offering care to people who need care. The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So there's, that is our um, scriptural basis of Stephen ministry. And I also, I'd, I'd like to talk about those seven because two of them are downright famous. Stephen happens to have a ministry named after him, Stephen Ministry. He also was the first known martyr of the church. And then there's Philip. Don't know if y'all know this, but if you think of the Great Commission, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. The first documented person who took the good news of Jesus to Judea and Samaria was Philip. So two of these seven guys who were appointed to take care of the widows and distributing food had a huge role in the first century church. But the beautiful lesson for me is the other five. We ain't never heard of them again. They were behind the scene. They were the kinds of people that are essential to the body of Christ. They were behind the scenes. They were taking care of the needs of people. They were not in the spotlight but the church grew. Let me just read to you what it says there one more time before I move on. So the word of God spread. So referring to the appointing of these seven so the 12 could do what they needed to do. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to faith. Um, I also want to share a couple other verses with you. The Stephen ministry theme verse is Galatians 6.2. And it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2, and that's our theme verse, but that's so applicable to each one of us in our day-to-day lives. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. And I want to share um, another verse that I love that I think has the same message, and uh, this, this may be the only time you ever hear a reference to the book of Job, but it's Job 2.13. And this is before Job's three friends became pains, <laughs> p- pains in the rear. There we go. I toned that down. So these friends have just found out about Job's horrible, tragic loss. And so here's their response. Once they hear about this, um, 
Let me actually pick up in verse 12. When they saw Job from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. <clears throat> they began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. You know, typically we don't respond that way in 2019, but they did back then. Then here's what they did. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. It is so important whether you are a Stephen minister offering care to your care receiver or whether you are a husband, a son, a dad, a friend. It is so important for us to know how to listen and to shut up and listen, and then listen some more. So, I mean, that's that's a fantastic takeaway for us. Whether you sign up, uh, whether you respond to this high-pressure sales presentation and become a Stephen minister or not, that's a wonderful takeaway. Let me throw just um, a handful of facts at you. You can call these fun things to know and tell. Um, it's a few enough of them that I don't think it'll put anybody to sleep. So, here we go. Stephen Ministry was founded in 1975, currently active in 30-plus countries. More than 13,000 congregations have enrolled in Stephen Ministry. More than 600,000 lay people have received Stephen Ministry training, and I'll share a little bit about my story in a minute or six. And more than one and a half million people have received care from a Stephen Ministry. Our Stephen Ministry is uh, led by Nancy Lane, associate pastor of our serve team. Uh, we have an active Stephen ministry here. I'll give you the breakdown. There are 28 of us, I, and that's actually down. I think a year or two ago, there were 38 or so. And we have six men. So that's part of the high-pressure sales presentation. If, if you're responding to the Lord through me, we have six men who are Stephen ministers. We could use a handful more. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to tell you a little bit um, about my calling to Stephen ministry. Um, I had just stopped being an adult volunteer with our youth group, and um, my friend William Mood, I, I really wish I could remember if I asked him about Stephen ministry, or if he said, hey Kramer, I think you ought to consider, I have no idea, but anyhow, that that surfaced, and um, so, you know, I knew enough about Stephen ministry. I thought to be a Stephen minister, you've got to be able to focus, and you've got to be a good listener, and so I thought I was immediately disqualified um, because I, I have a hard time focusing. Uh, I feel like I'm one of the world's worst listeners, so I actually went to four women in my life, and they were my wife, my youngest daughter, Anne, Rochella Mood, who led the teenage Bible study with me, or was one of the co-leaders, and um, Alyssa Ewald, who ended up, who was co-leading with me, and she ended up taking over when I stopped leading. So, you know, I asked all these people, all these four women, what do you think about me as a listener? And all four of them, believe it or not, said, honey, daddy, crame, crame, you're a fantastic listener. And I said, really? So don't think just because you think you're a bad listener that you're automatically not qualified. That's, that disclaimer doesn't work. Um, so I still went into Stephen ministry training thinking I'm going to be the first person in the history of Stephen ministry training that gets to the end and they say, sorry, you ain't getting this badge. I just, I, you know, I just thought that I wouldn't qualify. Um, but I would tell you, I loved our Stephen ministry training. And that's, and, and here, and I think this may be one of the shortest messages ever. I have at least two friends. I won't point them out there, but they're in the back corner over here. At least two or three friends that are breathing a huge sigh of relief when they hear that this might be a short lesson. Um, so some of my favorite lessons during our training, the art of listening. Um, if you are not familiar with James 1.19, here's another takeaway from today. Commit that to me. James 1.19 says everyone should be swift to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. 
If we all would apply that verse to our lives, our marriages would be happier. We would have fewer arguments with our spouse. Uh, If you're still in the working world, you would be much more successful in the working world. Uh, In all walks of life, if we would figure out how to be quick to listen, and the next part is as important, slow to speak and slow to become angry, how much more effective would we be? There's a verse in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 63, which ends up referring to the the followers of God as being the displays of his splendor. If we could figure out how to apply being swift to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry to our lives, we would be much better displays of his splendor. Uh, Also, this fantastic lesson on assertiveness. So, um, in in interacting with people, I guess that would be the way to put it. I think there are really just four ways we can interact. We can choose to be passive. That's no good. We can choose to be aggressive. I bet everybody in this room has done that at least once. How'd that work for you? We can choose to be passive-aggressive. I'm confident everybody in this room has done that at least once. And again, I ask, how'd that work for you? Or we can be assertive. And I, I remember we took the... Um, um, we did um, we did a lot of role-playing in Stephen ministry training, and I just want to go back to that. I said role play, not foreplay, just in case you were just in case you were going there. Um, we did a lot of role playing in Stephen ministry training, and one was from um, the prodigal son. And so we looked at the prodigal son with all four ways of intera- interacting. Um, we looked at the dad's response to the prodigal son with a passive response, aggressive, passive aggressive, and then assertive. And then it was especially interesting to look at the son who had stayed faithful to his dad all those years. We looked at him as with a passive response, which clearly he didn't have in that story, an aggressive response, which clearly he had. And then there could have been the passive aggressive, and of course it would have been nice if he had responded in an assertive manner. Um, <clears throat> We also talked about maintaining boundaries. And um, again, you, you see how wonderful these lessons can be? I mean, so even if you're not being called to be a Stephen minister, um, I hope that if you need a Stephen minister, you'll consider taking that step um, or mentioning it to a friend. But back to maintaining boundaries, just how important maintaining boundaries is in marriages that are almost 41 years old um, or older, in brand new marriages. I've been blessed to get to officiate two weddings, and so um, I was the only pre-marriage counselor, bless their hearts, that these these couples got. So I insisted on pre-marriage counseling. And in both cases, we talked about James 119, and in both cases, we talked about the importance of maintaining boundaries. That is so important for newlyweds. Oh, my word. God help the son-in-law who has a mother-in-law who's a bulldog. I mean, God help him. Uh, and that, No, that is not the case with me. Not at all. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. My mother-in-law, may she rest in peace. That was not the case with me. I still say to this day that she probably was my second biggest fan ever. So not the case with me, but it can be, and it can be horrible. And then also, um, as Stephen ministers, we are taught the importance of confidentiality. That is, that is probably the number one thing we're supposed to do. Rather than, I mean, we're, of course, we're supposed to be a bunch of other things, and I'm, I'll rattle off a handful of those here in a minute or four. But above all, we're supposed to be confidential. So when you, contact Nancy Lane, and that's that's how the process works. If you or your friend needs a Stephen minister, you would contact Nancy Lane, and then she would contact um, one of the six male Stephen ministers currently and say, hey, I've got this man who is look, who needs a, a Stephen minister, who needs to enter into a caring relationship. And so Nancy Lane and that Stephen minister would be the only two people in the world that would know that you were seeing a Stephen minister in that caring relation. So it's very confidential. Um, 
Then one other that I would like to share with you is um, we focus on process as opposed to results. And I, I have loved that point so much that in the Berean Sunday School class, I'm currently the program committee chairman, and I like to refer to it as the process committee chairman because I'm not a fan of programs. What, what do we do let's, to build the body of Christ? Let's have another program. No, let's focus on the process of building disciples. So in Stephen Ministry, we focus on the process of figuratively, because I know some of you guys would freak out if you pictured walking through life hand in hand with another man, but figuratively speaking, walking hand in hand, offering care to someone who needs care, helping that person through a difficult situation. It's a process. And we're not focused on the result of, okay, check this guy off. Let's move on to the other. It's a process. Um, So I honestly think that um, I want to share one more thing. And then... As hard as it is for you to believe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close. So we have, at, at the end of each training, we have what is called a Stephen Minister's Compass. And it's, what are the four things called, north, south, east, and west? Are they called quadrants on a, on a compass? What? Poles. Poles? Okay, anyhow, so four poles. So you've got the, the Stephen Minister's Compass. Just bear with me on this fantastic visual. <clears throat> Jesus is at the center of our compass. A Stephen minister is supposed to be spirit-filled, Christ-centered. Jesus is supposed to be Lord of your life. If what, Supposed to be Lord of your life. And then as a Stephen minister, we are supposed to be compassionate, skilled, full of faith, and trustworthy. And of course, there are attributes under all of those, but I, I still think um, I, I sort of would like to focus on the skilled part. Um, so we all know the fruits of the Spirit, and um, I do think the fruits of the Spirit are results of being Spirit-filled. See if we can get them. Love, joy, peace, patience, <clears throat> kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. So those are the fruits of the Spirit, and we get them. They're, they're fruits. We get them as Spirit-filled Christians. But at the same time, they can be, they can be fine-tuned. They can be, you can learn them. And I especially think that of patience, for example. Um, I have described me, I used to describe me as the least patient person in the world. And then I started reflecting on my dad and a customer of mine and three guys that I do an annual golf trip with. And it's not you two. It's three other guys. That particular golf trip I go on, I say, you know what, guys? It's so nice to be the most patient person in the group here. <laughs> um, so it, things like that can be learned. Um, I will close. Just do you happen to have a question that you want to ask? Will you talk about the training? Yes, I will. And yes, sir. Um, you did mention, uh, but I understand that a Stephen minister is only paired with a care receiver of the same gender. So when you're saying we only have six male Stephen ministers here, that's a very limited capacity to... Exactly, exactly. That, uh, by the way, he and I rehearsed this before... Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we rehearsed this before I came up here. So... Did y'all pick up on that? <laughs> Excuse me, that was Southern for did all of you pick up on that? <laughs> there are six male Stephen ministers, and, and yes, hell will freeze over before a male Stephen minister is paired with a thief and the other way. And the Stephen minister training you asked about, um, it's, actually, it's actually pretty intense. I think it's like 50 hours, and... It's mostly Wednesday nights and some Saturdays. I feel like when I went through, it was a it was a number of Saturdays. My golf handicap soared during that time, um, but <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Um, so it's it's fifty hours. It's mostly Wednesday nights and some Saturdays. Yes, sir. The training. Well, I mean, what I got out of it is some of the stuff that I've shared with you. I, I, 
Um, being the importance of being a good listener, um, I attempt to take that assertiveness training in, into my life day to day. Uh, the importance of maintaining boundaries. Those were, those were some of the fantastic lessons that I got. And then as a Stephen minister, it's, um, I mean, I, I love to teach. I actually love to be in front of a group and share a lesson, my testimony, this kind of story. But I also love being in the background. And a Stephen minister really gets the opportunity to help another person walk through life. That Stephen minister in that way helps that person heal. And I get to be a part of the body of Christ and I get to do it under the radar. Um, you know, nobody is patting me on the back and saying, good job. So I, I love that. Um, and I, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I sort of have a big personality and that's sort of inconsistent But with that. But I, I love um, getting to offer care like that. And another thing, yes, sir. Maintaining your confidentiality, can you give us an example or two of the different kinds of situations you were in? And helping? Uh, let's, uh, you mean the, my care receiver, what my care receiver was going through? Is that, uh, yes. Um, one care receiver um, had, um, had just gotten divorced. Um, his, his wife had been unfaithful and he had just gone through his first holiday as, um, as a broken family. And it, he ran into the brick wall at that point. Um, and he's, he's doing great now. Um, then another, um, another carry, actually, I've only had three, so I'll mention all three of them. Another one had found out about his wife's affair and hoped against hope that they could work through that and then found out she was still having the affair and hoped that they could work through it, then found out she was still having the affair. And, um, when we met, for the first time, uh, I, I can remember his saying, I, there's nothing to live for. And so then, thanks to my Stephen ministry training, I said, are you considering taking your life? And he assured me he was not, because if he was considering taking his life, then I needed to report that immediately. And then um, the other care receiver had just lost his wife and was had engulfed by a black cloud of grief and loss. Yes, sir. Can you talk about how many at a time you budgeted for this sure. activity? Um, almost without exception, a Stephen minister has one. There are rare exceptions where a Stephen minister would say yes to a second caring relationship. In my specific case, I said yes to a second care receiver when uh, the relationship I was in was coming coming to an end. The guy needed me less and less. So I said yes to the next guy. Um, I would say with women, they meet pretty much once a week for at least an hour. I mean, maintaining the boundaries, it's supposed to be an hour. But if y'all promise not to quote me, have you ever noticed that two women, when they get together, they can talk? <laughs> so I think with women, it typically can go longer. In all three of my relationships, we never did get together as frequently as once a week. It was every other week, every third week or so, and every other week. We did actually, two men getting together, we came close to spending an hour or more um, each time. Um, so, And also, if, if a man is um, actually will permit himself to say, I need this kind of help, it's... Um, I mean, it's, it's very good for that man because, you know, we boys in general just don't open up to people that are close to us. It's a shame. We ought to. We'd be healthier if we did. But that's also good. Um, tell you what, I will, um, I'll hang around if you have any other questions um, because we are actively recruiting male Stephen ministers. And just in case... The Lord has placed it on your heart. Um, see me afterwards, and I'll offer you anywhere from twenty to a hundred dollars to consider becoming a student. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Nancy would fire me if she heard heard me say that. The next what? Soon. Yeah. Soon. All right. Well, there's okay. September twenty eighth. 
thank you. I was supposed to announce this. Cindy Hamron would shoot me if I didn't announce this. Um, we have a Stephen Ministry workshop on September 28th. It just so happens it conflicts with the tea time, but I will be at the Stephen Ministry workshop. Just want you to know that. Um, September 28th, 9 to 1. And let me tell you what... Um, it's an introductory workshop for surrounding churches that would like to start Stephen Ministry. But anybody who's considering is invited to that. I'll close in prayer now. Want me to turn it over to you and close in prayer in 15 minutes? I mean, yeah. the possibilities are endless. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. The latter. Yeah, the latter. Okay. And is it, this is only for Methodists, right? We're the only ones who have a line on this, correct? That is so incorrect. Yes. Thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you for pointing that out, too. Is, is, it, only, is it only for uh, Christians, or is it even highly, even more ecumenical than that? It is, it is for anyone who needs care, but... <clears throat> You better be a Christian if you want to be a Stephen minister. Okay, so if you, if the you, caregiver needs to be, but the, the caregiver, caregiver does not. The caregiver should have Jesus as Lord of his life. It will help tie you to the right places when the storm waters yes, set. But the care receiver uh, does not have to be. Open to everybody. Yes, sir. Thank you for that question. Anybody ever been to Home Depot? You mean today? You mean today? Does anybody know, or do you perhaps work at Home Depot and you're one of the people with the, I almost said guys, but it's not guys, males and females with the orange apron on? Anybody here actually have an orange apron? That is the right uniform, right? They wear the orange aprons. Eric, I have orange pants that I, that I wear in those rare football seasons when Auburn actually beats one of his clients. Oh, well, we just couldn't make it through without a football reference, could we? So I go to Home Depot. When I go to Home Depot, sometimes it's a plan, and sometimes I don't have a plan. I'm there looking for a plan. But I go to Home Depot, and I'm wandering through. You know, they've, they've got it all organized, and they've got it labeled. We have books of the Bible. We have indexes. It's, it's labeled, too. But I go to Home Depot, and I'm trying to find this thing that will help me solve this problem at home. And I, I will, am willing to talk to a perfect stranger who's wearing an orange apron, by the way, um, about whatever plumbing problem or electricity problem or something where I can really make a mess of things if I do the next two steps or, or, or the wrong two steps or I do them in the wrong order. And believe me, I've tried that before. Stephen's ministry is about you getting an orange apron. It's about you learning enough through the training that when someone comes to you or you would like to be better prepared, that when something's going on in somebody's life, you have some experience and some training and you know how to talk to someone in a way that doesn't send them down the wrong path. Now, when Mark talks about there's six people, there are a thousand men on the rolls of this church who got an email and a text message this week to be at breakfast. There are a thousand. And you got to know that more than six of them right now could really benefit or know someone who could benefit from a Stevens minister. You do not have to be uh, the perfect person to become a Stevens minister. I think coming to the workshop and kind of finding out what's involved and learning more about how you might someday, you know, be able to have an orange apron for somebody um, is a real opportunity. It's, uh, you know, Four hours of your time, maybe a tea time or whatever it happens to be on, on a, is it Saturday? On a Saturday morning. Um, I found myself several times in situations where I wish I had an orange apron. But the person was there. I was there. We talked. And you hope that you didn't send them home to, you know, blow up their house or get electrocuted. Um, but you can earn your orange apron this way. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to go work for Home Depot, you know, every year for the rest of your life. So I really want you to consider what Mark has tried to convey to us this morning as an opportunity to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, Lee. Um, Eric, I wanted to say thanks, Mark, for doing that. Um, hey, you don't have to be a perfect person. I've been a Stephen minister for 12 years, so I think Mark, David, and I represent half of the six. And... Uh, uh, I, I wanted to encourage everybody because uh, we as men, are, we don't really consider 
or opening ourselves up. I certainly didn't like women do, but they have, they're more open and talking and so forth. But what I found, and I didn't know what would happen, but this has ended up, this whole experience for me has been one of the greatest blessings and faith-enriching experiences that I've ever seen. Um, when I was in your, your seats looking at it, and I thought of other bunch of sort of naive church ladies that like to talk a lot, um, and then when I got into it, I came to find out that there's this whole stream of excruciating problems that are so bad that when people come to the minister with them, uh, they've exhausted psychiatrists, they've exhausted people. These are the worst of the worst problems that the ministers end up with. When their people have been driven to their knees in despair, wanting to end their life, you know, Mark, as Mark said, I had my first one was a fellow that was terminally ill and he didn't know whether or not he lived a good enough life and he was scared to death. Um, I've, you know, they're just desperate situations. And the ministers think are, are, are really want to have the church be able to have a representative or someone to step out and say, we won't forsake you. We will have and so the ministers really appreciate what we do. What we, that we're willing to go out and say, the church will pay attention to you, we will listen, we will hold your hand and walk through this. And when that happens, there is a magical thing that God and Christ entered this relationship and walk you through it, and you get to see this. And I just, I had to say it's been a moving experience to not only watch this happen, when, and it's not me, it's living, learning how to let God work in real tough situations. Having the respect of the ministry and the gratitude—is the gratitude of ministers, the people that I've thirsted for respect for um, all my life—and then getting to know that these church ladies are actually very sophisticated, very deep people that are attracted to the ministry. That I'm privileged in a confidential environment to, to call friends and also to learn from and to realize that most people that have been in, that are in this have been through something extremely difficult than those. And it's, it's, and it's been powerful, and I encourage everyone that it's, it, it's, it's a breeze. You know, once you get the training, it's natural and it will enrich your life. Thanks, Lee. I think, you know, I've never heard a Stephen minister in any denomination, in any church setting, not be able to talk about what it ended up meaning to them. They're, they are trained that they will keep it confidential and appreciate how, you know, you were trying to ask. While be remaining confidential, give us some examples. Um, our, our clergy, there's a finite number of them, and there are literally thousands of us. And there's an even larger community around those. I mean, if you know someone at work who you really wish had somebody they could walk with through a tough time in their life, this is that type of resource. And... Um, the training will undoubtedly open up parts of your faith journey just to be around other Stephen's ministers. That is a, a golden opportunity. So I want you to really consider whether or not you can be here on September the 28th from 9 a.m. to 1 here in this building someplace, Mark? To be determined. To be determined. To be I'm determined. Surely, surely over there, but I don't know. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I'm looking around to see if there's anything written. Would anybody like to share a prayer concern or a praise before I get up and ask uh, Rusty to tell us about? He's going to dare us to do something. Truth or dare. Here, truth or dare. Anybody have a prayer concern or a, someone they wanted to write down, nominate as a race car driver? Um, please feel free to write that on the, uh, uh, on, on, the, on the tablets, and I'll try and pick up those uh, afterwards. Um, this is an amazing group. The experiences that the, the men in this room right now represent are a treasure trove of lessons learned. Not always the easy way, often the hardest way. And the fact that you chose to get up early this morning and come be with other folks for RUMC, you know, speaks to me that you're still on that journey and taking steps in, in meaningful direction. Um, I want to turn it over to Rusty here for a minute to uh, tell us a little bit about D.A.R.E. and then Mark, if you'll come up and pray us out. So I walk up quick. So I appreciate Mark and his words today, and uh, and how significant that ministry is. It this ministry is. It reminds me of our friend Rick Page. Many of y'all know, and your words on listening. Uh, a few years back, before we lost him uh, twenty years ago, he looked at me and he said, "Rusty, 
listening is not the same as waiting to talk. <laughs> yeah, so I, I have a little bit of learning to do on the listening side of the world, okay? Um, one of the gifts, Rick was a fascinating guy. One of the gifts that he gave us is he had an experience with some saints that went uh, have gone before us, Mike Carmichael and his crew. They went on a, a, a tornado thing. Rick was going to run for tools. And he just saw the impact of that. So in the Rick way, he came back and bought a trailer and a few thousand dollars worth of tools. I mean, he, he wasn't going to get his hands real dirty, but, you know, <laughs> he got us a trailer, a DARE trailer, disaster-assisted recovery effort with some tools. And about that time, Katrina hit. And uh, when Katrina hit, this church responded in an amazing way. And I think, Roger, we were talking about 30 trips, I think, from the church. I think Roger and his team did a ton. Yeah, did 12. Uh, Richard uh, led uh, me and some others. We did uh, 12 or 13, and there were a few others. So did quite a deal. We've had some hurricanes hit. Y'all might remember them last year. And honestly, we've really struggled to get onto trips. In fact, we've had more canceled than we had gone. And it's not canceled because our side, the coordination's been very difficult this time. One time we, we but each trip's really special. One time we just got our courage up and we went to South Georgia to Albany. It was Les and I and a few other guys. And something special happens every time. And our friend Frank Falk is from Albany and we worked on three places and, and met three of his ex-girlfriends. And, uh, <laughs> and felt glad that he and his wife didn't come on the trip, honestly. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, but we just had a great trip to Panama City. I want to just say a couple of things real quick, and then I'll finish it. One, it was a great trip, and I was shocked because the hurricane in Panama City hit this side, of the east side of West Bay Bridge, and that's the underprivileged side. It didn't hit over in the fancy condos. There's no damage in the fancy condos. It's a mess still. Eight and a half months later, we worked on a home where a 30-year Air Force veteran and his wife, who's bedridden, have been living in a 120-square-foot trailer for eight and a half months. And uh, they'll be getting in their house in the next week or two. We had a great experience, and uh, God always has super things for these things. And I know most of y'all, many of y'all are mission warriors. We went, a small adult team went down there for a long weekend. On Sunday night, Jason brought in a huge youth team. And uh, I want to say those guys busted their tail. The amount of work the youth did, including fully painting this house, and then they put flower gardens in because they wanted it to look good, right? But it wasn't just that. They, uh, they redid a, a, a house of a youth minister that was down there that was used to giving care instead of getting care. It was pretty incredible. They really did a job. Go to the REMC youth site on Facebook and look at the video, Okay. Now, here's how you can help if you want to. On the 21st, a week from Sunday night, we're going to have a DARE leaders meeting. This is somebody that has decided they should lead a trip or might lead a trip. You don't have to <laughs> be ready to lead a trip, uh, but you might want to lead a trip. It's never, we've now got this thing together. It's never been easier to lead a trip. We got a on uh, we got an on-ground coordination team here. We have a place to stay. We have somebody coordinating jobs, matching them to your team. We've got we got this thing figured out finally. So if you think you might want to lead a team, uh, anytime in the future, come a week from Sunday. We're going to do 12 teams this year, one a month at a minimum. By the time you get there Sunday night, there's going to be three of those that are already committed. Uh, one of those is going to be run done by the slobs. If you're a slob, raise your hand. Okay, so these five guys work out together, and us and wives or, a friend, or son-in-laws or whatever. We've got one team. We're going in January. Jeff is going to be signing up for a team before next Sunday night. Um, he already signed up for one team, and, and we couldn't pull it off. Um, and then we've got Richard's going to lead a different team down there. So we're going to have at least those. If you are past the lead a team stage, or if you don't feel like that's yours, it's, it's really here being on the ground. Here's what you can do. You guys can tell your two busy sons and daughters and son-in-laws who think they only have time for their family that for your birthday or for Christmas or for Father's Day that you want them to go on a mission trip and you'll keep the kids. 
Okay, it'll be the greatest gift they've given you and the greatest one you've given them. And uh, it will, I, I think this is an amazingly caring church. I've not seen anyone get hurt caring for someone else yet. But I've seen a lot of damage of people getting hurt when all they did was cared about themselves. So uh, that's my message. And if you're a leader, just write your name on a white pad or send me an email. And we're going to have a little dinner in here. Okay. Other than that, start recruiting young people. Those are the ones with hair that's not gray. <laughs> okay. Start recruiting some young people to go on these trips. Thanks. Yeah, Lee. Yeah, before Mark, before Mark prays, prays. Jay, I'm sorry. Oh! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Craig. Happy birthday to you. You know, that's the first time we've actually sung in this group. <laughs> that's not too bad. I know there's a choir table over here. I hope you were taking some names. We actually did not have choir rehearsal last Wednesday night. We take this uh, month of July off of uh, Wednesday nights. We start back up like in the middle of August. You do not have to read music to sing in the choir. Uh, if you smile, that would put you one up on me. And um, you're always welcome to come. What's the first Wednesday night, August the 14th? And so uh, we just had a big patriotic concert. It's a great time. It, what an easy way to invite somebody to come to RUMC for the first time. And um, we had a big orchestra, and it was just a, a lot of fun, and it all came together. And, you know, we're breaking in a new Michael, and this was his first time. And there's just something special about when you get to see somebody do something that they've seen before, but it was their first time to get to do it here. And so uh, it, was just a, it was just a great week. So Mark, uh, will you come up and uh, help us have a great day with a word of prayer? Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity to gather together. Thanks for the wonderful food. Thanks for the wonderful fellowship. We commit this men's group to you and pray that you will bless this group Help us to continue to discover ways to be the part of the body of Christ that you want us to be. Help us to be actively involved in the process of making disciples of all nations. And Father, I also lift this uh, renewed interest in the, the renewed commitment, I would say, to missions. And I pray that you will raise up missionaries to go and do your very important work helping others. And I also pray for each man here uh, as they respond to this message on Stephen ministry that if you're touching their hearts and suggesting to them that they consider it, help them to follow through with it or help them to at least mention it to a friend or if they actually need the care of a Stephen minister, help them to be bold enough and ask for that care and receive that care and be blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So come see me if you have any questions. <laughs>